Hey, welcome back for another episode of the Sharpen Podcast. I'm your host, Kirby Green, and Sharpen exists to sharpen young professionals for the workplace and beyond. Before we get to today's conversation, I'd like to remind you to check out our Facebook, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. Be sure to leave us a rating so other young professionals can find the Sharpen Podcast. You do not have to wait for the fancy title or the corner office or the promotion to demonstrate your leadership at work. Why are we waiting until people are 40 or 45 or X number of years or have a fancy title to give them the skills to lead with confidence? Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Sharpen Podcast. That is our guest, Katie Huey. Katie joins us today and she is going to share about pivots and changes in her own career, what she's learned along the way. She also speaks to empathy in the workplace during some of those pivots and changes. I think you're going to love what Katie has to share as she's been in and out of various roles and industries. There's a lot of freedom in her message, but there's also a lot of direction as well. So let's get right to it. Here's our conversation with Katie. Katie Huey. Well, Katie, we're so excited to have you on Sharpen uh, this morning. It has been um, a diligent effort on your behalf to stick with us and to go through the rescheduling process. So thank you for your perseverance and welcome this morning to Sharpen Podcast. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. I'm so excited our audience gets to know you and learn more about you. I've enjoyed some of our brief conversations as well. So why don't we get started there and you tell us about who you are as a person? Yeah, absolutely. I am a Colorado native. I just turned, well, I turned 30 last year. It's hard to believe it's January already. And I work in a lot of different areas, but I would say I'm an introvert. I'm an empath. I'm a writer and a sensitive person who walks through the world kind of in a different way. Wonderful introduction. I'm so excited to learn from you in light of all of that. Tell us about the work that you have done in the past and then tell us about what you're currently doing. Well, I have had an interesting career to trajectory. I was actually just talking to another person. I was sharing my story and she said, oh, it sounds like you've had a career portfolio. Mm. And I thought that was a really great way of um, labeling my experience. So in my 20s, I actually bounced around quite a bit. I started in the professional world actually doing an AmeriCorps term of service and got to spend a year working at a nonprofit in Colorado that works with youth aging out of the foster care system. My goals out of college were to become a social worker. And um, through my AmeriCorps experience, I quickly realized I did not have the emotional fortitude to be doing casework. I just couldn't leave work at work. And I found myself really upset about people's situations and um, the challenges that they were facing and couldn't find professional boundaries. So I had good caring mentors and people working with me at that agency who helped me realize helping people didn't have to stop just because I wasn't a caseworker. Mm, that's um, good. And so I found myself actually doing more resource development and fundraising. Um, and I spent five years doing that for different agencies. I worked for the Matthews House, which was that same agency working with foster care youth. I worked at a museum doing grant writing. I also did some grant writing for foster and adoptive families. So I found myself um, using my skills and connecting people to bigger causes, which was really motivating. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, life continues to unfold and started thinking about what did I want to do using my skills in a different way was experiencing some compassion fatigue. And there are some limitations to nonprofits that you just start to think about. I was in my mid-20s. 
So I took a job that was working for a marketing firm that worked for nonprofits. So they helped fundraising campaigns and building brands and building capital campaign stories and things like that. And shortly after that, I took that job, I unexpectedly lost my dad, Mm. sent our world, my world into a tailspin. And as a result of that and a multitude of other things, I had to take a career step back. I found myself working at an insurance agency, which um, was actually my dad's business. He had had 20 years of experience. And so I went to work with some of his colleagues which was good for our family and looking back was a really bizarre experience. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, got new skills and learned new things there. So spent about a year and a half doing that. And then I, I got the job where I currently am. And I work at a company called Trebuchet Group, which is sometimes a mouthful, but you can think like the medieval weapon, like a trebuchet. And we're a consulting firm that works with purpose-based organizations who want to make a bigger impact in the world. So We do everything from um, workshops on how to have healthy conflict at work all the way up to strategic plans that last five years for companies. A lot of support for executives, and I have recently taken over some professional development programs for emerging leaders, which has been really exciting. And then, you know, there were a lot of jobs in my early 20s, too. So I've kind of bounced along, but there's been a common thread of how can we give back? How can we help people? How can we increase satisfaction? at work and in our lives. What a remarkable group of experiences in terms of the workplace, right? What I loved is as you went through what those workplace experiences were, you highlighted what you learned um, and almost, okay, that helped me say yes to and no to this and the next because I learned about myself and my impact in this role. And it was that domino effect. I would love for you to tell us about, so you've made a lot of those career shifts and pivots, and you've gone in a variety of, we'll say industries, roles. Tell us about what you, what you learned in that, because I know you, it sounds like you were really self-aware to learn about yourself and your gifts and your wirings and what you didn't love. Tell us a little bit more, because I can imagine there's a, there's a pretty extensive list when you've made several really cool dynamic shifts like you did. Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, looking back, the transition feels really graceful and like there's a common thread. And while I was living it, I had a lot of anxiety and uncertainty about what I should be doing. Mm -hmm. So I think I learned that in every environment, there's something to be learned about yourself and about others. I would say I'm a pretty self-aware person. So I don't like being in work environments where I'm bored or where I could be taking on more capacity. So learning how to advocate that I have more time and more capabilities that serves the organization has been Mm. a really important professional development lesson. I think I, you know, when I was 22, I was really afraid to ask. And now over the last 10 years, I've gotten more comfortable saying, I think I can take on more. I think too, there's a lot of interpersonal dynamics that, you know, looking back, if I could tell my younger self, like calm down, you'll figure it out. Mm. I think I was really restless to land in the right place, whatever that meant. And I beat myself up a lot if I felt I wasn't getting things that the internet told me I should have at 24. That's a good call out, right? Yeah. LinkedIn is full of all the articles around that subject. So thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think where I stand today, I have a lot more grace for myself. And I think millennials get a bad rep. Young professionals get a bad rep for job hopping. Lots of people told me you have a very diverse resume. Um, You you should stick it out, give it at least a year. 
I had several jobs where I realized there's no way I'm going to last a year here. And it was okay to keep trying and talking to people. And so if you know in your heart that you're in the wrong place, it's okay to pivot. And on the other side of that, if there's other things that you're uncomfortable with, maybe stick it out and you can learn a few things. So it's kind of a judgment call. Well, and, and what a good uh, framework too, where you talk about a career portfolio. That is so, I love that. I think that's super helpful as young professionals, because then all of a sudden, if you haven't been in the same career for X many years, number one, that's okay. Number two, you can draw out that portfolio of experiences. So I love that. And you, you're making mental notes along the way. I'm curious to know, ha, has that been something that you've made mental notes of the work that you've been a part of and what you've learned about yourself and others? Or do you have like journaling or reflection process? Because it sounds like, I mean, you just highlighted that for us really well. Has that been a specific reflection process for you? I'm a pretty avid writer. So okay. I think I started out journaling quite a bit. When my dad died, I actually stopped putting pen to paper journaling mm. and um, ironically kind of turned my grief account into my blog. Um, so I have a side project for that too. I think I've always been in environments where people ask me reflective questions and that's something mm -hmm. that I appreciate in a boss, um, something that I appreciate in coworkers. And I've sought out organizations that want to make bigger impacts. And mm -hmm. so it makes it an easier natural fit to say, what am I doing and how am I contributing? So some of that I think is wired into me and um, I find myself drawn to people who think that way. But there are lots of tools to help you kind of center or think about what am I learning? One of the things I appreciate about my current environment um, is we have monthly check-ins with my boss and there's four questions that we ask. Um, what are you doing well? What are you working to improve? What roadblocks do you have and what, what support can we give you? So those That's are the really questions good. that I, I go through with my boss every month. And it puts me in the driver's seat mm -hmm. to really be asking for what I need and what I want and what could be better rather than um, having a boss tell me where to go or my, what my development trajectory will be. So I think that's been a shift too. And learning when I look back, I think, and I would encourage younger people to really think about what do you want because your boss doesn't know. Mm -hmm. Um, and so figuring out ways to ask for that in respectful ways and think about how what you want can help your company meet your goals is going to be really beneficial. That's such a good actionable too from this conversation, because if you find yourself not in an environment where you have those monthly check-ins or someone's not driving that, you have four questions now that Katie laid out that you can then have that conversation. And it could be a, we're walking down the hallway together. And I just want to be intentional about using this time. And here's kind of the four things that's on my mind. What do you think about that? You can drive that conversation. And I've had a mentor, uh, Katie, that told me, he was like, you have a role in your company or whatever that looks like in your school, in your place of work. And you also have another component to your job of career management. And you're the one that owns it, not your manager, not your, uh, not your group of mentors, it's you. And so yeah. that's a really simple, actionable way, just a monthly check-in with those four questions to own your career management. I love that call yeah, out. I think that's great. Yeah. And I didn't learn that until I was 29. <laughs> that's the beauty of this podcast is, so thank you for your vulnerability and sharing that too, because yep. uh, so many of our guests come on with a, man, if someone would have told me this when I was fresh out of college, I would be, I would be in a different, these years would look different. They could have been more intentional and 
I could have hopped on this one skill earlier. So thank you for, for sharing that. I would love to hear from you. Um, so you made a transition into the family business and I know, so I, I work with farmers and that is a family business. And so there's, it's so interesting to learn from the farmers that I do work with of running a family business, of succession in a family business, all the dynamics. It sounds like you made that transition too. Maybe not, that wasn't a part of the plan. You talked about, you learned a lot, but also after the tragedy of losing your father, which I'm so sorry. I know that grief doesn't ever go away. Is there anything that you would, would mention from that experience, especially from those that are listening that have plans to be a part of a family business, or maybe they don't, right? And they find themselves in that, but I would love to learn from you based on that experience. Yeah, thanks for that question. It's interesting. There were different levels of my engagement. My dad ran an insurance agency for American Family for 20 years. So, you know, he started when I was eight. And I would say many of my first professional experiences were at his office. I got paid a low hourly wage when I was 14 to go fold, you know, renewal letters. And um, when I was in college, I helped with bookkeeping. And after college, you know, I could go and make phone calls for him. So we used to joke, you know, we put the family in American family insurance. My cousins worked for him. My friends worked for him. So it was always this nice benefit in terms of gaining some professional work experience and having some place to make some extra cash. My dad did not have the expectation that we would take over his business. And I think he was really adamant that if that's what I wanted, that was fine. But he Mm. was pretty good at encouraging me to go pursue what I wanted to do. So I was very thankful for that family business safety net. It gave me some safe places to have wings and try new things, knowing that I had this in the background. So, and then when he died, of course that went away and the agency closed. And the way that the structure worked with with the bigger corporation is many of his, well, all of his business got distributed to other local agents. So it worked out for me to go, because right after we lost my dad too, I had lost a job at the marketing firm that I had mentioned. And so it was kind of a series of losses and confusing, mm-hmm. really confusing, awful time. Um, and it worked out for me to go work for the agent who took over the majority of my dad's business. So it was um, a really healing experience for me um, in terms of going and hearing stories from his clients and being around his mm-hmm. handwriting and his files and his notes until it wasn't. So I think there's a fine line and my situation is pretty unique. It's not like I well, maybe people are succeeding their parents in death, but I didn't take over his business to run it. I was really helping and the opportunity was helping me too. But in terms of bigger lessons, I think there's a tension between how do I honor my family's contributions that have given me the privileges to be free to make my own choices for my career while also standing in this space of saying it's okay to want to do something different. I remember too. I mean, working with your families, your family, like what, whether you're making fun of them for leaving coffee in the microwave or frustrated about the way they handle things, I think it's just a challenging space to really be real. I had kind of a unique experience in that one. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing about that. I think there's so much to listen to and, and learn from you. And it, I think that for several young professionals listening, that's just really 
going to resonate, whether it's kind of their now moment or maybe something in the future, they'll like look back and remember what you, you had shared there. So I've loved what you've walked us through today of having such a variety and a career portfolio. I know today you found yourself in a role and you mentioned your work with emerging young professionals. Tell us a little bit more. So you've got your, you've got your audience right here for a lot of the work that you're doing. So any, any key learnings today, or I guess really more so too, what's on your radar as far as let's the one or two things as you think about an audience of young professionals that you do a lot of work. And that's probably a really hard question to dial it in like that. But as we go about the new year, when a lot of folks are excited for a, a new focus area or direction, what are those one or two things as you think about young professionals and the work that you do that you could really pass along to our audience today? Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of questions right there, but good yeah. things to think about. Um, I'm an extrovert. I process out loud. Can it's you okay. It's great. <laughs> and my introverted self is like, give me one second to process. Yes. <laughs> um, I think... The root of the program that we've been developing is the idea that you do not have to wait for the fancy title or the corner office or the promotion to demonstrate your leadership at work. And my boss, his name is Chris Hutchinson. He wrote a book called Ripple, a field manual for leadership that works. It's available on Amazon and his website is rippleleader.com. But he wrote it's, it's a basic book with six chapters that help people tune into who am I as a leader? What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What are my natural tendencies? How can I use that to influence my team? And then how can I use that to shape and structure an organization? So I had been working with him for about a year and a half before we started having conversations about, can we bring this concept to younger people in their careers. I stand on this soapbox and say, why are we waiting until people are 40 or 45 or X number of years or have a fancy title to give them the skills to lead with confidence? And I think to young professionals, we get a lot of, I guess, negative attention or ageism in terms of like, you're not experienced, you don't know yet, just sit and learn and watch. And I spent a lot of my early 20s sitting and learning and watching. And I had leadership opportunities, but I was waiting for people to give me some permission or like magic baton to say, okay, you're ready, go do this. And kind of like we were talking about before in terms of career management, your bosses are busy people. Um, They're probably, I mean, if they're great, they're going to tell you you're ready. But I think they'll be more impressed if you start looking at what you want to do and how you want to contribute and finding ways to lead where you're at. And then they will give you more responsibility, more opportunities to help support the organization. This program is really designed to help people realize they have different skills, strengths, and assets. How can you tap into those to serve a bigger purpose, regardless of position, regardless of experience? And that's not to say experience and wisdom aren't important because they are. There's a reason people are in positions that they're in. But especially for women, I think we're told to sit and wait and watch. And um, we need people who are ready to take action and learn about themselves and learn about how they can help. Oh, absolutely. Well, I think your folks that are listening today, you know, they're the types of young professionals that seek personal development 
content. And so I think that this is going to be, which typically are people who want to lead, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and make a splash, not just lead for leading sake, but to lead, to, to leave their mark on the world, on their communities, on their school, on their hospital, and the list goes on. So thank you for that message. I think that's really important. And I think that's a, even a good call out as we, you know, you gave us a really good actionable, here's some four questions I worked through the monthly check-in. You gave us a mindset of a career portfolio and being reflective on those experiences and to think of it in terms of that. But I think this last piece is what then are the leadership development experiences I'm going to pursue and do it intentionally and not let it fall to the wayside in this new year because we, we do have as millennials, as young professionals, as whatever generation you're in, the yep. ability to lead and perspective to do so. So Katie, thank you so much for, for the conversation. I think we're better for it all. As you know, we always ask our guests two questions on the Sharpen podcast. And one is more of a favor. We would love for you to make a shout out to someone or a group of people today. Yeah, I think I'll just stay in line with our current program. I'll do a shout out to Chris Hutchinson at Trebuchet Group for helping me realize that I don't have to wait to lead um, and my coworkers there too. That's awesome. And I love that you mentioned some links throughout this. So we'll be sure to include those in our show notes as well. Yeah. Yeah. And tell us about a game changer for you. What's been something that has sent you in a different direction or it's just been really big for you and your growth personally or professionally or whatever that looks like. It can also be a food item. I mention that every time. Have I okay. people take me up on it? That's funny. Well, my favorite food item that sustains me is a vanilla latte. And okay. um, for better or worse, that's my go-to. <laughs> but in terms of a game changer, I recently read Elizabeth Gilbert's book, Big Magic, which I know is not necessarily new on the radar, but it gave me permission to continue pursuing creative efforts while having a full-time job. I think I beat myself up a lot about finding my passion and working my passion and while I love my job, I'd say I'm much more passionate about writing and um, finding that balance between how do you provide for yourself while also pursuing your creative efforts or endeavors can be a challenge for more creative people. So she just was really encouraging it. Keep at your creative work and mm. it's honorable and safe and wise to find places where you can contribute and get paid for it too. I will definitely, that's on my book list now. Thank yeah, you so much. Really okay, great. And we'll include that one in show notes as well. So Sounds good. Well, thanks for joining us on the Sharpen Podcast. This has been, it's been a good time. We've learned a lot, Katie. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Sharpen Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review. And of course, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Until next time.